Hi, I'm Simon. Hi, I'm Erica. And this is Drunk Logic. Just another podcast. Welcome. Hello. Well done. Nice to, nice to see you. Yes. Yes. Always a pleasure. Never a chore. Never Sporting a chore. some nice merch there as well, I can see. I am. I'm wearing my short sleeve uh, Drunk Logic t-shirt. Um, we Now that I don't have a PhD thesis to write anymore... I'm really going to be kicking this uh, podcast into full gear. Now, one of the things that I've started doing is every Monday, I have Erica's motivational Monday moment uh, where I take the piss out of a, a so-called inspirational quote. And I've been putting that on TikTok and we're doing all right on TikTok, which is very surprising. Um, and so I look forward to like, sort of like learning how to use that better. Um Mm. And then, um, yeah, I'm sort of like started to jazz up our Instagram page. Um, but back to the merch. Yeah, it's like I've got to like get my shit together and figure out we, we need to figure out how to open this store. Um, so that way, the, you know, yeah. five, five people who regularly listen to this podcast can uh, can represent our very cool brand. Nice. No, it's looking good. We've got a cool episode coming up today, haven't we? We do. We're doing something a little bit different. It's kind of one of those things that I've always wanted. I, I mean, you and I have talked about it to death, like in our in our own sort of, you know, Erica Simon universe. And it's something that, uh, yeah, it's, it's just, it's just, I think it's a really important topic. And so we're sort of going a little bit heavier than, than our normal fare. Uh, but before we get to that, um, every episode has a beverage. This episode is no exception. Simon, what have we got today? So we have gone with a traditional gin and tonic owing to the fact we were a little bit ill prepared of synchronizing drinks so we both make independent gin and tonic using um, an aldi's gin that in 2017 was declared one of the best gins in the world and it only costs 10 pounds and that is the oliver cromwell london dry gin it won a golden medal in a blind taste test so having that and I'm mixing with it Fever Tree Indian tonic water. And that's what I'm going to be drinking. Awesome. You know, pretty basic gin and tonic. Not our usual RTDs, ready to drink, cocktail in a can. But yeah, Should I think give that, us a go? Well, let's, yeah, let's give it a go. Well, hi, I'm. Bon appetit. See, for me, not, not to give, give my full review right now, I've had quite a few different gin and tonics. It doesn't quite, I don't know if it's soda water. I might be a sort of maybe a lemonade person. I know that's quite controversial in the gin community, gin and lemonade. I think that I, I think that if you add some like elderflower to a mm. gin and tonic, that makes it nice. I mean, I I agree. Like I think that I think that a gin and tonic needs something for me. And you know, because we're we sort of have the same sort of taste in alcohol, like we like things to be a little bit sweeter. Um, mm. I, I think that we we both need like a, something a little bit extra to sort of make it, it lacks a little a, a bit more palatable and not like you're just mm. like just drinking like like hard hard booze um, yeah but for our scores we'll check in at the end absolutely absolutely so our table is looking very good by the way our our table mm. of alcohol which you can find on the website um if you haven't been to our website it's www.drunklogic.co.uk and the website cool, was actually. Yeah, it's very cool. I mean, the website was was you know that's my baby, that's my department. Simon, we have uh, with this podcast, like we both, Simon and I are the, like the most awesome team ever. 
um, when it comes to just life. Uh, but with this particular podcast, Simon does all the heavy lifting when it comes to editing, uh, which is a very exhaustive job. Um, whereas I do all of the creative stuff. So anything, uh, anything design related, our website, uh, that's kind of, that's, that's my department. We sort of, we share social media responsibilities. Um, this is, uh, you know, we're just trying to like sort of get better at that, but we do have a lot of new followers this week. Thanks to Simon's efforts um, on Thursday, which are much appreciated. So thank you, Simon. I basically and- had a day off and decided to follow like crazy um which was fun which was fun and you're very sweet and engaging with people especially on twitter um i think that well, I everyone think- I, I must see about like 20 tweets an hour saying like hey hit me up with podcast recommendations so i'm like well in for a penny whether it actually ever leads to a listen i just try and be a little bit cute and dorky and very polite in the hope that some people might listen so yeah well yeah we shall see we shall see so uh, Simon, are you ready to be influenced? Always. Yay. Hi, I'm Erica from the Drunk Logic Podcast. And I want to talk to you today about goalie apple cider vinegar gummies. Now, this is something that, as with a lot of things in life, Simon, we we try things out together. We split the costs on these sorts of things. We always go halves. Um, and so two years ago when we were uh, doing, we were re- really determined to sort of, to lose weight and get healthier. And so one of the first things that we researched um, was apple cider vinegar um, because it's supposed to help you keep you full, help you lose weight. Apparently uh, Tony Hawk endorses it. So Simon sold um, I'm sure there's some science elements to it that Simon was like, ooh, very turned on by. Um, basically, how our relationship works is Simon will say, yeah, let's, do you want to try this? And I'll say, yeah, sure, let's do it. Um, and so one of the things that we tried years ago um, are these apple cider gummies. And and we've had them ever since. So we've had the, we've been taking them for, I guess, about two years. Um, you're a lot more religious about taking them than I am. But basically, it's just supposed to help you. It's just supposed to like keep you more full. I mean, I think that that's what it does, right? Yeah, I think apple cider vinegar has been used for a long time, but in the in a liquid form, and you'd often have to sort of spoon it into your mouth like medicine. Yeah, so or like guys, di- or like dilute it in water, and it's and yeah. it's nasty. It's nasty. I yeah. mean, it's vinegar. Yeah, but apparently the the properties of apple cider vinegar have been known for a long time. So the guys at Goli have put a formula together into a gummy i believe they're one of the first or if not the first company to do that and other companies since have sort of tried jump and we have tried alternative brands um, yeah we have done are not i don't good. think it was good they're no. not as good and no. goalie are great so we, we've tried those and it definitely helped when we were doing a diet you know we'd have a very small amount of calories and i couldn't have the meals i wanted in the day and have a breakfast and i don't know if breakfast is important but, you know, we did manage to lose weight by having a goalie in the morning. You had lots of water at lunch and I got the calories I needed. Yeah, and tracking the shit out of everything on Noom. So we are both, you know, as we've sort of said in previous weeks, we're both we're trying to sort of get back to the glory days of 2020. You know, it's so just in like- 2020, Eric and I both lost about two stone. 
and we were looking fine. Our chin game was very, oh, very good. So good. Um, neck but game, over the last the two neck years, game was good. Yeah, and over the last two years, we've we've let ourselves go to shit, and we've it's really both over the last year. That. It's really over the last year. Uh, yeah, so we're getting back on the wagon. So yeah, so watch this space. You know, we are we are trying and. You know, we're trying to sort of just, you know, watch what we eat and just exercise more and just be more mindful of, you know, really, you know, it's it, we are doing it because we are vain motherfuckers. But it's also yeah. like, especially me, like I'm getting sort of like I'm, I'm, I'm getting older and it's like, you know, if I don't take care of my body now, it's going to get like even more horribly fucked as I approach, <sighs> you know, my mid 40s. So, hey. Uh, have I told you about my creakiness recently? Like I'm just feeling a little bit more creaky getting up and, and all that. Yeah. Someone in work the other day said, maybe you're of the age to take um, cod liver oil. That might yeah. lube me up. I mean, I'm telling you, Simon, it's like once you turn 30, like it all starts to go. It just, it, hey, it's, a, it's a very gradual, I, gradual. Thing. I had I had a very depressing, um, you know, they do like the history like six years ago, reminder on social media. Yeah. Six years ago today, I ran my furthest ever distance of oh, was 15 the... miles. Oh, I don't know, Simon. We, maybe... Just right before I got my injury. Maybe what we could do, maybe what we can do is maybe we can just start some some baby steps back into running. Like we go for like walk and then jogs. Like what about like a couch to 5K? Like what if we did something like that? Okay. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I would like to get back to running. Yeah, me too. Okay, so on to this episode. We're being joined um, by by one of my one of my oldest friends uh, who will be coming on shortly. Um, and we're going to be talking about uh, bereavement. And we're going to try and... Sounds fun. Yeah, we're going to try and... Uh, try, God, try not to cry. Try not to make it too depressing. We, we know that your brother is, is listening to this right now. Nathan, this may not be the episode for you. This is not, this is not an, an episode that is tailored to Nathan. So apologies. We'll get back to regular, you know, the regular sort of Nathan-centric broadcasting, and, you know, next time. But, uh, but no, your brother yeah. just likes me more than you. So it's fine. Yeah, I don't care. You can have him. Not bothered. <laughs> right. So, yeah, we've got Devin coming on and you guys are going to be talking about grief and bereavement. I think it's a really important topic to be talking about. Yeah. So let's get this uh, grief wagon on the road. So our our most popular episode by a distance uh, was the episode on friendship. People seem to really like us talking about that and enjoyed us talking about our friendship a lot more than they enjoyed us talking about weird sex stuff or food or anything else. And I don't understand why, because that was a very smushy, mushy episode, but people like that so much more than anything else that we've done. Uh, so, so I've, so instead of us just sort of, instead of Simon and I just kind of, you know, saying how great the other one is we're bringing in <laughs> mainly Simon saying how great I am um <laughs> but but so we're so we've brought on uh sort of one of one of my very old friends to sort of join us on sort of a friendship theme episode and this is my friend Devin from Delaware yay <laughs> Devin welcome to the podcast thanks for having me guys it's great to have you on 
Absolutely. So I've, I've known Devin for a long time, uh, since high school. And we won't say how long that's been. It's been a while. It's been a while. We have a fairly significant high school sort of milestone this year, which doesn't seem real. Um, yeah, we graduated from high school 25 years ago. I know. So like, old. We're so I know. old. Like, how did, how did this happen? How did this happen? No. So, so Devin and I were, well, Devin was afraid of me in high school. And I was quite, into, I was quite intimidated by Devin because Devin and I, we very much, we had this, we were in a, a one class together and, but we sort of hung out with very different groups. Like Devin was yeah. very much like the, with the popular kids. So you so were. And, and I was like with all the, like the drama band weirdos. Which is um, where my kid is. So it yeah. works. Yeah, exactly. So so, so, so yeah, so we didn't really, so we just kind of, we did, we were in different orbits in high school. Um, yeah. But, you know, because of like, sort of the wonder of social media, like we've kind of, you know, we've gotten quite close uh, since yeah. then. And yeah. so I did, I did dig out, I did dig out the old yearbook uh, because Devin and I were both uh, nominate or we both, we both had some. Please don't show that picture. Oh it's yeah. so bad. My haircut is so bad. Oh. So this is, uh, this is, you know, this is 1997. And, uh, and Devin, Devin was voted most talkative in our class. Uh, let's see. There she, there she is right there. Most talkative. <laughs> Such a bad haircut. With, oh, and, and that's the thing is that we're so old that that picture is with a payphone. <laughs> yeah, it is. Because <laughs> the high school used to have one out front. So, and then, and then on the page before, I also had a superlative. Yeah. I was unsung star, um, which I think was a bullshit made up pity category <laughs> that they made up just for me and fellow losers. Um, so, so yeah, so, so we have known each other for a long time. Um, and the reason that I invited uh, Devin onto the podcast today is because, you know, we're going to talk about we're going to go, we're going to talk about something a little bit heavier. Um, Devin and I, um, we're both members of, I think probably what I would consider the most shit club um, yeah, ever. For sure. And uh, that is sort of like, I, I, we need to come up with a better schnazzier name for this club, but I would say like major bereavement trauma club. Yeah. So over the last, um, uh, Devin, Devin lost her mom um, very recently and my dad passed away, uh, it'll be three years in, in June. And yeah, so there's some, it's kind of, this is one of those universal, it's a, it's a universal subject. Um, yeah. it's something that like everybody experiences, even if it's not apparent, like, you know, somebody you go through, everybody goes through major bereavement yeah. and it totally changes you in every single way on an atomic level it changes you yeah what i sort of want to talk about is sort of not necessarily the most shitty aspects of of that uh the most shitty aspects of grief and, and things like that but ultimately i want to talk about how to be a good friend to somebody going through that kind of bereavement your mom and my dad um, were both ill at the same time Yep. And so when my, when my, when I found out that my, my dad was sick and when I found that he had been uh, diagnosed with stage four cancer, uh, Devin, you were the only, one of the only people that I told 
in town that I was coming home because when I was, um, I wanted to help my dad through chemo and I knew I was going to be gone for a while. And I didn't really want to see anybody at home uh, because that's not what I was home to do. I was home to, to be with my dad and to support my mom. um, But really just to, to, you know, to, to be with my dad. Uh, But Devin was one of the only people that I told I was coming into town because your mom had, um, had been diagnosed with early onset dementia and I knew you'd understand. And I knew you'd understand that kind of what I was, I was going through and that you also weren't going to ask a lot of me. And so I know we went, we went out to dinner one night. It was like, I'd been home for a few weeks and it was really hard for me. It was really hard for me to go out, like just to go to dinner. Like we went like five miles away and it was really hard (laughs) for me to like get out, to like step, to get my, to take myself away from my dad. Um, But I was able to do that with you. And I think that's one of the only times that in that five week period that I was home, that I kind of did anything without my dad. And the reason is just, like I said, is, is because you understood, you understood sort of what I was going through, even though my dad had uh, terminal cancer. And so it was obviously very different. Like our, our, our experience with losing a parent was very different because my dad was diagnosed with stage four cancer in March and he died at the end of June and he was really real he was great up until the last 10 days of his life and then he just that was it he just crashed Um, whereas your your experience was much more it it was punishingly yeah it it was I mean that's really the best word I can come up is is long drawn out terrible yeah I mean the official diagnosis came uh, December of 2016, but we had known for quite some time that there was something obviously very, very wrong. Um, my sister and I go back and forth on when we noticed the first signs, but I, my sister says that it was 2009 when she started noticing some things for me. Um, it was right before um, my husband, Jason, and I got married in October of 2010. I noticed that she was, it was just really random, like really random things where you could kind of play it off because there was so much going on with like with the planning of the wedding and things. Um, We were on our way to pick up my wedding dress and it was not even 15 minutes down the road. And we had the same, she asked me the same question in the car three times and she phrased it just slightly differently each time she asked it. And so I kind of was like, are you, are you just not listening? Like, are you not listening to me? What's, what's going on? Um, There were some things that some friends pointed out to me later at my bridal shower. Um, Another friend of ours from high school was there and she pointed out to me much later um, that my mom couldn't remember my birthday didn't know when my birthday was. And I, at the time, I, I don't remember if I didn't, didn't realize it or if there were, there was just so much going on that I didn't pick up on it. And there were multiple years where we all just kind of were like, what the hell? Like, are you not listening? Like, are you not listening? Like what is happening? And, um, then there was a series, there was a series of events that, my sister and I literally said to my dad, there's something wrong with her. You need to go take her to a doctor. My dad and I had 
what I would call probably the, um, one of the few fights that we've ever had, or one of the few very tension filled conversations that we've ever had, where I literally said to him, there is something wrong with her. And he was arguing with me. No, there's not, there's nothing wrong with her. And I said, um, I can't talk to you about this right now. And I hung up the phone on him and I had never, my mom, I hung up on all the time. We were very, very similar in that respect and like, but it heads a lot, but my dad, like I never, I never would have hung up the phone on my dad. And, um, a couple of days later, my dad called me and he said, I'm taking her to see the neurologist. Well, the neurologist didn't do us any favors because she failed her short-term memory test. And, um, they told her that my, told my parents that there was nothing wrong with her, that there was no history of Alzheimer's or dementia in her family. So there wasn't, there was nothing. And so they kind of proceeded, she and my dad kind of proceeded down the road of, everything's fine. There's nothing really wrong. And, um, you know, things, weird things would happen. Like she could remember some things and other things she couldn't. Um, and it finally came to a point where it was very, very, very evident, um, that there was something wrong with her. And she got to the point where she knew that her brain, she, we would kind of make jokes about it and, um, she knew that her brain didn't work the right, wasn't working the right way. And, and so we kind of tried to lighten it and we would, you know, kind of make jokes about it to kind of try to ease her about it because it, I can only imagine what it must be like, um, to know the information is there and you can't access it and can't like you would watch her. I think one of the saddest things was watching her kind of stumble for words, knowing that the word was there and not being able to, uh, to pull just to like pull it out. So when my mom passed away last, um, last September at the end of September last year, I mean, at that point we had been on this journey for like 10 years where there were multiple times in the course of that journey, um, that, she went downhill so fast that we thought she was going to die. And Alzheimer's is one of those diseases that is just all, all terminal diseases are cruel, but Alzheimer's seems to have this like additional cruelness added to it because you're literally grieving the loss of a person who's still alive, but they're not the person that they were. They're not the person that you loved that that you had memories with and adventures with and conversations with, and then you have to grieve them again when they die. And it seems particularly brutal um, to have to live through that and to watch my dad live through that with her. This was the person that he was married to um, for almost 40 years. They were best friends. Um, And to watch him take care of her every single step of the way doing things for her that I'm sure when they got married, he never thought he would have to do for her. Um, and it's just, I have so much respect for my dad in that, that he kept her at home the entire time. We, she never, she was never not in my dad's care. Like my dad took care of her night and day. And I can only imagine how exhausting that was for him. Um, but I mean, yeah. And, and I I mean, I remember when you told me that your dad was sick and my heart was so broken for you because I knew that even though my mom wasn't progressing at that point, 
but she probably, I guess she probably was, she was probably pretty bad three years ago, but not to the point where we were like all the time, like you didn't, every phone call, every, like every text message wasn't like a, this gut check. You know, when you're, you told me that your dad had been diagnosed with stage four cancer, my heart just shattered for you because I knew that there was nothing that I was going to be able to say that was going to make a difference. I, there was nothing that I was going to be able to say to make it better. And the only thing that I could do was to be there for you. Even if it meant you just calling me and, or sending me a message and being like, I have to vent. You just, you, I just let you, because that was the only thing that I could do. Yeah. I mean, that's um, something that, you know, you, you both were able to sort of really help me through this, this process, you know, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's nothing, nothing that anybody could do to make it better. And so I felt, I felt very fortunate um, to have good friends that I could rely on who, who knew me well enough to sort of know the right things to say and do. And I know that I, I know how fortunate I am. And I know that I know that you, Devin, you also sort of, you're, you know, you, I know that you have, you know, friends who just adore you and who were able to sort of do and did you do right by you? Yeah. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful. You know, the unfortunate part is that we do belong to this really shitty club, but I'm so grateful that there are, I, that there are people in my life who have also experienced that. So on a day when I'm not having such a great day, I can send a message or I can call one of those people and say, I'm not having a good day. And I know that that's okay, but I just, I just need someone else to help me breathe my way through it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's just, um, it's, it's one of those things where, and I, I've said this before, I've written a lot, I've written a lot about, about my own bereavement and grief and sort of just my, my experience with this, uh, you know, I am a basic bitch with a blog, but I, I do think that when you go through something like this, like when you go through this, it makes you a better friend. It makes you a better friend. You're prepared and you know, like, you know what, it's just kind of like, I, I, even though you sort of had this awful extended pre-grief um you know when your mom passed away like I knew sort of like I knew what I would want someone to tell me I knew what I would want someone to say and having if I hadn't gone through that I wouldn't have known you know it's it's very different however Simon who is very like very sweetly just kind of (laughs) sitting there like you managed um because you know me so well like you didn't um you didn't put a foot wrong throughout that whole awful process for me. Like, even though you are not a member, thankfully not a member of this most shit club, you're such an amazing friend that, that you were able to, so you were able to navigate and, and just kind of know the right things to say and do. And like there, like, I will never, there will never be enough words to sort of express like how much that meant to me. I mean, from my perspective, it was never easy. I mean, I've got a quite heavy job where I work in a hospital and, and I think you know, that shapes you having to deal with you know, people having infinitely shitter days every day you go in. So I feel maybe I'm a bit maybe better prepared and equipped than 
your average Joe. But I, I, I just sort of took it as this, you know, you know, you want people to turn up and try and make life as normal as possible. You know, yeah, it's shit. And yeah, I would say the wrong thing or, you know, suddenly go down, you know, set up a joke. And I'm like, oh, shit, I shouldn't be going down this line. It's a bit too, too, too soon. Uh, but on the same score, just trying to be normal, not trying to be weird, you know, giving Erica the space she needed, but also not treating her like she was, you know, she needed to be in isolation. You know, yeah. you, you've got to be there. And and I get it. But, you know, ultimately it was just being there. And then we, I just sort of followed my nose, really. And and thankfully, you know, Erica says it was faultless. I'm sure for my end, didn't feel fault, you know, faultless. But all I knew is I could be there and try and distract by being my dorky self. And I think that's what you need, you know, from my perspective, from the outside looking. And yeah, I'm not part of this horrific club, but, you know, life experiences shape you, you know, whether that be other types of bereavement or, like I said, my job. So I'm just really glad I could offer you some some solace at this really, you know, really shit time. Yeah. So, so Devin, what would you say, like, if we're, if we're like trying to like put together a manual of how to be, how to be a good friend? how to be a good friend to somebody going through this. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, like I have one of my friends, um, she's recently lost, lost her father in the last couple of weeks. And, and it's just kind of like, I've, I was able to sort of, I don't know. It's, it's weird. Like when you have to be there for somebody for something like this, like you're able to just sort of like turn it on and be there. Um, yeah. And I feel like I have enough of a bit of, of enough distance now that I can, I can do it. I can do it well. Like I can, I can, I don't sort of get caught up in my own bereavement, my own grief that I can be there for people. And I think that a lot of, it's really just about sort of saying like, I'm thinking of you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sending you. I would a agree hug. with that. I'm sending you. Yep. A hug. Yeah. Um, you know, there are a lot of things that it's really hard not to go down the how to be a shit bread route of this. Right. It's like, it's so hard. Cause I know that, I know that you had similar experiences um, to yeah. me where a death, a death brings out, death brings out the best and the worst in people. And like, I'm trying, I'm trying to focus on the best. I'm trying so hard, but sign. Yeah. But I think, you know, I think, like, it's I think inevitably me. though, that you have to talk about both of it. Like, I think it comes like some of it is, it, I think some of it, it's all kind of wrapped in together. I think. I think that there are people who inherently know what to, what to say or what to do. Um, and then I think there are, like, I, I feel like there are, when something bad happens, I feel like there are three very distinct groups of people. I feel like there are the people who know or can really empathize with what you're going through and they've either been through it or um they just inherently like Simon, like they just kind of inherently know, understand, know you well enough, know that person well enough to kind of, um, get through it. I think there are, and, and they just, they know what to say and they, they say the right things or they say the things that you need to, to hear, like you need to be told. And I think that there's another group of people who means really, really, really well but they say things thinking it's helpful and it's really not helpful. And you get angry because you're like, I can't believe you just freaking said that to me, but you understand that they meant well. And then I think there's another group of people that are so paralyzed by 
not knowing what to say and being so afraid of saying the wrong thing that they don't say anything at all. And so it comes off like they're not a good friend because they just, they just don't, they just don't know, like they don't know what to say. Um, and so I think it's really important to, to understand that there are, are definitely different, different groups of people, groups of like people in your life who, when something bad, something super traumatic, like losing a parent happens, that there are these other people that, I mean, there were people that I fully expected would show up at my house when this happened and didn't. And, and you, you try to not be really disappointed in them, but you can't really help but be disappointed in them. Like there were people in my, there were people in my life, in my, within my orbit that knew my mom and didn't show up for me. And that was really hard. I mean, I know Erica, you and I have talked about this. That's really hard. Like that's really, really hard to reconcile and to still look at that person and, and try to be okay with the fact that they let you down at what was probably one of the most crucial points of your life. And I'm not sure there are, there are a couple of people that really disappointed me. And I can honestly say that I'm not sure that I've forgiven them. And I don't know, I don't, I don't engage them. If they engage me, I will obviously Mm. like, I will respond and I will talk back, but I don't go out of my way to engage them because you you weren't there for me at what is probably the most critical, most pain, one of the most painful moments in my life. And hmm. you, you just couldn't even be there. Now, whether that's wrapped up in, in their own trauma, I don't know. Hmm. Um, but it, that makes it really hard when you're already trying to deal with this mess of emotions. Yeah. And like trying to get through it anyway, to then kind of be worried about what, like it almost turns you like you should be worried about somebody else instead of just being worried about yourself, which is ridiculous because the only person I was concerned about actually wasn't even me. It was my kids. Hmm. So, and, and my dad and my sister, like there were other people that I was more concerned about with than myself, but I had these people in my life who I hundred percent assumed would be there mm. and we're not, you know, I've had to, I've had to, I had the moment in my life and not that I'm trying to compare, but I definitely can identify those sort of three groups of people. So many years ago, my, my granddad, he had quite bad cancer and was rushed into the hospital and it was really quite dark at the time. We weren't sure he was going to come out. And thankfully he did at that point, but he, he since passed away. But we were in the um, hospital waiting room and it was like almost like a family reunion. Like everyone was there, all my uncles. And we've got quite a big family. And I was just sitting there. I worked in the hospital funny enough. So I finished working and I went down and waited for my family to sort of, you know, go in by two by two to the ICU. And I just never forget one of my uncles, like almost losing his shit, like literally like, oh, I hate hospitals oh, and being caught up in his own grief. And I'm like, 
pull yourself together. You've got to go and see Gramps. Like, and he's obviously his dad, but like, and, and like you say, like, within that moment, I hadn't really sort of identified those groups of people, you know, as, as articulate as you did, but I can definitely in that room imagine where people in my family, and like you say, I've never probably looked at my uncle in the same way again, because I'm like, and it's not, no, you can't blame someone through yeah. no fault of their own, but I can't help but think like, come on, you know, like there are other people out there, stop making this about you. And I don't, I don't mean to sound harsh or anything, but ultimately on that day, I was like, like get over yourself. Yeah, but it is harsh and it's uh, it's reality. Yeah. I mean, when you agree, Erica, like that's a hundred percent. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm not a very, I'm not a forgiving person. And, and sort of, I mean, like I wasn't to begin with, I mean, that's probably why you were scared of me in high school. Um, but I mean, even, even, yeah, I'm even less forgiving now. Like there are people who were so awful to me uh, and treated me like absolute dog shit um, at my dad's fucking funeral. And I will never forgive them. I was going to say, like, I would almost add a fourth camp for your experience where people went out the way that were actually physically mean to you. you yeah. Know, it wasn't mistakenly the people, you know, the examples you've shown me and, you know, that that's an added level of like shit you don't need. Yeah. It just adds more. It's like piling more trauma on top of trauma. Yeah. And, yeah. and, it, and it's like, you know, it's like, I get that people sort of had their own grief to, to contend with, but it's like, do not fucking take it out on me. Like, like I literally just lost my dad and people thought, you know, found it, you know, found, you know, people in my situation, you know, because um, it all, it, you know, it kind of all sort of fell on me. Um, you know, my, I mean, my parents have been divorced for 30 years, but I mean, they were best yeah. friends and my mom, you know, similar to how your dad, um, you know, took care of, of, of your mom. My, my mom took care of my dad when he was sick yeah. every day, every single day, my mom stayed in the hospital with him. Like she was, you know, she was there the whole way, but for some reason people um, found it really easy to be awful to me. Absolutely vile. Um, yeah. And sort of just questioning every fucking decision I made. Um, for every choice I made, every choice I made for my dad's memorial service in Camden, uh, for his um, funeral in Texas, like everything, like they just found a way to just, just try and just destroy me. Um, and, and so, yeah, I will, I will never forgive that. I will never, ever forgive that. Yeah, no, I mean, and I don't, I don't think you should, they don't, I mean, and Simon, I think you're absolutely right. There is that fourth group of people that just think that, that they have the right after something like that happens to someone to question or like, yeah, I mean, I, I think that people just give their opinion. Yeah. It's yeah, just really mind blowing. Is, is, is... Yeah. And, yeah. And I, I think that because I do, you know, I, I do come across as a very strong person. I mean, even, even I, you know, I'm not strong enough for that shit. No. Um, you know, there, you know, there are people, there are people I will never forgive. Um, but no, you know, when you were talking about, again, when you were talking, it's so very art, you know, you're so articulate about these three groups, you know, there, you know, I, I can, you know, same with Simon, like I knew I can, you know, I could place people and I'm glad Simon added an extra group for me uh, because people were truly heinous and they deserve to be and rot in that fourth group. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, there are people who, who had good intentions and bad delivery, yes. real bad delivery. Yes. And, and then there were the people who decided not to turn up 
and thought that that was the most appropriate thing to do. And for me, those people who did not turn up at all are people that I do not talk to at all. There are people who in my life who did not turn up, did not send a single fucking message. And essentially they're dead to me. And that's, I, where, and that's where they'll be. That's where they'll be. There is, I will say this, there's another group of people. It's like a side group of people who, because this happened to me and Erica, I don't know if it happened to you. There's a side group of people, like a subset of the shitty people, but they're not quite like hundred percent shitty. They're just like sort of shitty people who send messages just so they can say that they sent a message. Oof. Yeah. There what sort of things are these people sending? What are they sending? Like you? just, oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. And then never say another fucking thing. Don't even, and they don't even respond. Like if you respond, I had this multiple times, several people. One, one person actually sent me a message and I responded and they said nothing. Like they didn't even respond. And I was like, why did you bother to send me a message? If you weren't going to respond, why bother sending me a message? And then there was someone else who sent me a message. And I a hundred percent wholeheartedly know that the only reason that person sent me a message was so that they could turn around later and be like, I sent her a message. Wow. Like, I don't, I, I'm either going to send you a message and I'm going to mean it, or I'm not going to bother. Like, and I'm never going to do it because I feel like I want to be able to turn around later and be like, oh, well, you know, when her mom died, I sent her a message. Hmm. Girl, why Don't. do we know so many shitty people? Why do we know shitty people? Like, it's horrible. Yeah. But it's it's so weird because they always say funerals and weddings bring out the best and the worst of people. 100%. Like, there is no, there are no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And you know, you had the additional, uh, the extra kind of grief, Erica, of having to, of having that memorial service and then having that additional service. We didn't do that. We didn't have a service for my mom. My dad didn't want to, he wanted, he wanted everybody who wanted to visit my mom and say goodbye to her to visit her before she died. And those are the people that my dad knows he can count on. Like those are the people who show, they showed up. The people that didn't show up, who would have showed up to a service, you, yeah. I mean, did you, did you help us at all? Like there was one person who sent a message for, to my dad and my sister and I, four days after my mom died and said, they just didn't know it was text message. Just didn't know what to say. My sister was so pissed. She didn't even respond. My dad and I did the nice thing and we're like, oh, that's really nice of you to say. I didn't mean it though. I mean, I had, I had, I, I'm trying, I'm trying so hard not to name names. Simon, you know exactly who I'm fucking talking about. Devin, you probably do too. But I, I mean, I did have, um, you know, somebody did send, send flowers a month and a half after my dad fucking died and said, I'm so sorry that, um, you know, we were on holiday. Oh, right. Sorry. I forgot. I forgot the phones don't work. Like send a fucking message. Don't wait a month and a half and leave some fucking flowers, like with a note, ex like saying the reason you didn't reach out is because you're on fucking holiday. No, not okay. 
don't do that. We're at that point, you might as well just not even bother. Yeah. So that's, so those are, those are the people that are in the, I will never speak to you ever the fuck again, ever. I mean, you mentioned Simon, go ahead, Simon. (laughs) Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to navigate this the best I can. I think think at the beginning, no, 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 no. Cause you're right. You are right. And I'm not saying these are, these, these are actually things that have happened to you. So I'm not going to, I can't change what I would say. You're back onto the beginning of this conversation. You said you're you're better equipped at going into these situations because you've gone through yourselves. And obviously there's some people in life who haven't. Um, and and there are some people who have, or or there are just people who are dumb and just, you know, they fall into one of the first couple <laughs> of the groups you mentioned. And it's really hard because I mean, I could see myself, you know, when as things were unraveling with you, Erica, like probably straddling a couple of those groups at the beginning. Like being scared to message you because you're an intimidating person. You know this. But I thought, fuck it. I'd rather be pissed off. With, you pissed off with me for saying something than not at all. And I was fearful of sending you messages at various times because, yeah, we're tight, but I don't fucking know what to say. Um, and, it, and obviously we know each other really well. Would I you know, copy and paste that same approach with someone else? Probably not because I don't know them as well. And I think, you know, with dumb people or you can't have a go with them for being dumb. I don't know, Simon, because there were people who had experienced exactly what I was going yeah. through, who said the worst things to me, like really? the most wrong okay. things, like it, that grief gets easier. And I was like, I can't believe you. I wanted to be like, I can't even believe you said that to me. You've been through this. You know, it doesn't because for yeah. anybody who's listening, yeah. never. And I do mean never tell someone who is grieving that it gets easier. That is literally the worst possible sentence you can utter to anyone who has ever lost someone. And I could not be more adamant about this in saying that because grief does not get easier. It changes, but it doesn't get easier. It doesn't. And I know that I myself have probably been guilty of that in years before when you don't know, you don't know. Like my grandfather died when we were junior, when we were juniors, our junior year in high school, it was horrifying to me. Like it was very traumatic. Like Erica's dad, my grandfather was diagnosed with late stage cancer. He was diagnosed in September and died at the end of November. Like it was that quick and it was horrible and it was awful. And I miss him every day. It was, it's never changed. And you would think that after that, knowing that that knowing that the grief really doesn't go away, that I would never have said that to someone, but I can promise that I probably said it to someone. And now I feel horrible about it, knowing that I said that because it doesn't. Like grief changes, but it never goes away. It becomes, I had to describe it to my, I had to try to figure out a way, my kids are 17 and 10. I had to figure out a way to kind of describe it to them because my father-in-law passed away in 2016, very suddenly had a massive heart attack on Christmas Eve morning at like 12, 15 in the morning, having to explain that Ashton, my daughter was God, she had just turned four having to explain that to her. She was at a Christian preschool at the time. She took it better than all of us. Like she was like, so Poppy, Poppy went to heaven to be with Jesus and the angels. And I was like, yes. Thank you for not having to make me explain more than this. Harley, my oldest was a mess, was a basket case. So I knew when my mom died because they saw my mom at the, towards the end, 
we were at my dad's every day and we spent a lot of time with my mom where Ashton, who's 10 now, remembered what I think kind of what that was like to lose my father-in-law, but this was very different. She was the one who would go lay in bed with my mom and sing to her and hold her hand and just like always, can we go to grandpa's? Can, can we go see honey? Like, cause they called my mom, honey. Can we go see honey? And so trying to explain to them, having to kind of come up with a way because I was actually traveling when my mom passed away. I was on a trip on a girl's trip. She was getting worse. Like hospice had told us hospice had told us. And at the end of August that they thought a week and she lived for almost another month with no food and no water. And it was awful. And having to take that trip, knowing that there was a very real possibility that she was going to die while I was gone. Um, and she did, she passed away. We were in the airport in Florida on our way home, getting ready to board my plane, board our plane home. And when I was traveling with another friend and I'm so grateful that I was traveling with her because I don't know how I would have gotten home by myself, even though it was expected. It was like, it took the air out of me. Like it felt like somebody punched me and I had to wait until I got home that night to tell my kids because I didn't want my husband to have to tell them. And I didn't want to not be there for them. So trying to figure out how to explain that to them, I told my oldest, I told Harley, I said, listen, I said, this is how I'm going to, I'm going to try to break this down for you. You're 17. You remember when Poppy died, like, I'm going to try to make this as like simple kind of a concept as I can. I said, grief is, is like an ocean. I said, there are days when the waves are so big. I said that you're literally drowning in it. I said, and the only thing you can do is try to keep your head above water. I said, and then there are days where you're literally standing on the beach and the waves are little and they're just kind of touching your toes. I said, and those are the good days, the better days. I said, and those are the days when we talk about it and we remember, and we talk about her. I said, but it never changes. I said, it never goes away. It just changes. It's not so sharp. It becomes this, not the first thing you think of in the morning and not the last thing you think of at night. And that was kind of how I, I had to, I think that's how I had to rationalize it even for myself was knowing that it was always going to be there. Now, I mean, Erica, you know this when it's your parent, it's different. Like, I feel like sometimes it's still what I think of in the morning when I wake up and at night, like my mom's birthday is tomorrow. And I'm up front. My cousin has already said to me, how are you doing? And I'm like, I'm just really kind of trying not to think about it right now. Cause I know tomorrow is going to be hard. And so I'm trying not to put too much into it today. Just trying to get through today, knowing that tomorrow will be hard. Such a dick for asking you to do this today. <laughs> no, I would have done it. Listen, when I tell you that I really was like, this is amazing. And I was so excited. Like when you asked me, I was so excited because it is, there's, there's so much about 
grief and just about bereavement. And we don't talk, people don't talk about it. Like we just don't people. It's this weird thing where the person that you love dies and you're grieving and the people who are around you, maybe not like necessarily in like the tightest spot in your orbit, but like maybe like an orbit out. Sometimes though they mean well, they expect that you're, you're going to get over it and you're going to move on. And I had, while we were on this girl's trip in Florida, we were all going around the table doing this exercise about, um, something that you haven't given yourself permission to do that you need to give yourself permission to do, but you haven't allowed yourself to do it. And one of my friends said, grieve. And she was talking about her sister, her older sister who had passed away from cancer. I want to say like two years before. And she said that she felt like people expected her to just move on from it because they did. And I said it, I, I gave the example of the water and I said to her, I was like, here's the thing. I was like, you, when someone you love dies, you are left in kind of this like weird holding pattern kind of place. Like you're still grieving and you will always continue to grieve. I said, but those other people, it was like a moment in their life and it wasn't the same moment in their life that it was in yours. And so they get to move on and their lives continue on as normal and your life doesn't. And you have to find your new normal. And, yeah, and totally. it's a total, like, it's just, it's very different. I don't want to name family names, but someone in my family lost their husband. And, you know, a couple of years, you know, a year later, the rest of the family are like expecting this person to move on. And I just hope they don't go through that themselves. You know, they just they give this person a really hard time. And I, I think it, it almost becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy that this, this person, um, and they've been together many, many years. And it's like, come on, let them continue to grieve. And and, yeah. and I, I loved your analogy of the water. I, I thought it was so beautifully put. I say it's not in their orbit anymore. It's a fleeting moment. They've forgotten about it. So why, did, why the hell didn't you, you know, why aren't you better? And why, why, why aren't you smiling? And why aren't you having a good day? And, and yeah. I think it's so beautifully put. So no, I, I, can, I can definitely witness that. Yeah. I mean, for me, I felt... Um you know, and, you know, Simon, you, you know, this very well is that I was just, I was constantly frustrated of just still feeling it. Like it would just, it would annoy me. Like my grief annoyed the shit out of me. And I would constantly say like, I don't want to be defined by this. I do not want to be defined by this. And instead of sort of like, instead of taking care of myself, I threw myself into my work, which I shouldn't have done. Um, I didn't take any breaks. I just kept going. I did not want this to define me. I was ready to be done with my grief. And it prolonged the absolute, just the, the worst of it. And, you know, Simon knows this best, better than, you know, almost anybody is just how bad, how bad it got, how fucking bad it got a year after he had died. Um, because I just, I, I just didn't want to feel it. I didn't want to be in that place anymore. And then after sort of that whole first year of anniversaries, birthdays, Father's Day, 
yeah. um, Father's Day and then the anniversary of, of when he died. And I don't know, I just kind of, I kind of accept that, you know, this is, this is, this is a part of, this is a part of who I am. It doesn't define me, but it's, you know, my dad is, is my dad is a huge part of me. Um, like, you know, it, like every, I mean, I am nine. I mean, if you, if you know me, you know, my dad, uh, we're essentially, we're very much the same person. Like I, now that I don't have a PhD anymore, you know, I've she got means a, to write not actually a PhD because she's going to have that those letters after her name very shortly oh, and your dad is looking down and he is so beyond proud of you like but to your point about the grief when you try to act like you're not grieving and you're annoyed and you're ready to be done with it it does prolong it you have to I cannot can't stress that enough you have to allow yourself to go through those steps of that grieving process because trying to ignore it and act like it's not happening Oh my God makes it so much worse. Yeah. And so I mean, and, and I, and I read like, you know, after quite a few months, you know, if I, if there's a book on something that I can read, I'm like, yes, give me the book, please. You know, it's like, I've, I've always been the book person, <laughs> like sort of to digress just a tiny bit. Like when I turned 10, like, instead of having the talk with me, like my mom gave me a book <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. And I, you know, I learned, I, I might've been like, 11, I think I might've been 11. Um, but well, yeah. Which so book I, was that? Cause I'm going to need it. It was called girl talk honestly it was amazing so yeah anytime there's some sort of like if there if I can have a book to read like yeah give me give me the book give me the book and so I read the the uh the Kubler-Ross Kessler book on on grieving and you know where it does go through the steps and, and I read it I read it quite sort of a, a fair few months after my dad had died and I was like oh my god and it made me feel less alone because it is, this is a universal thing. And like the, 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 the grieving process, like you go through all those steps. And, and I found that reading that book was so helpful to me um, just to be able to, just to be able to feel less alone. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, especially just having sort of gone through this major milestone in the last week, like I think about my dad all the time. I think about him all the time. And I think, oh, yeah. what, what would he say? Like, what would he be saying about this? And, and my mom said, like, you know, he, what, might, what would my dad say about me submitting my PhD? Well, he would say, it's about fucking time. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's 100%. The same thing saying. the rest of us are saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so. Jesus, Erica. And so, like, you know, that, that's the thing is that he's always, you know, he's always there. He's always there in the same way that your mom is always yeah. there. Yeah. And I mean, it, it doesn't help either that I am literally, um, the mirror image of my mom. You are like the mirror image of my mom, like hundred percent. And Ashton does some things and I look at her and I'm like, Oh girl, like my mom was an amazingly gifted singer, loved music, which is where I got my love of music from, which Ashton also has this love of music, but Ashton also has this just amazing voice and I look at her and I'm like she used to sing she would lay with my mom and she would sing to her and I look at her and I'm just like oh you are you are this creative like your honey was like my mom was so creative and so like my god the woman could turn out like she could make anything out of anything she made a she made a shelf one time out of a case like an old like crank casement window she made like this beautiful built-in 
shelf and I can, I can vividly, and this, my brain does not work this way. Vividly recall standing in my dad's office in my parents' house and her describing what she was doing, what she was going to do and what it was going to look like. And me looking at her, like, I was like, you are speaking Greek to me, but Ashton would have been able to stand there and completely visualize and understand what my mom was saying. hundred percent. So yeah, I mean, your dad is like, he's probably doing cartwheels up there watching you Mm. like, Oh my God, she hit the submit button. It's about damn time. I can't fucking believe it. <laughs> yes. I'm not going to read this shit, but good for you. Well done. Well done, Miha. Well done. So, so yeah. So I guess, I guess in, you know, I guess to, <laughs> to sort of to conclude what has been a really lovely conversation is that, you know what, Devin, we were both, we're both incredibly, incredibly fortunate to have a mom and a dad who are so fucking awesome Yep. that it made losing them so fucking hard yeah but you you like i've said this 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 it changes you and the most beautiful thing to come out of the whole process is that you find out who your people are yeah find out who your people are and i'm quite privileged uh, to be able to say that like i am with you know two of my people right now and you know, Same. I love you. I love you both. And you both knew how to, you both, you both knew how to be a great friend to me at the absolute lowest point of my life. Yeah. And that is something yes. that I will never, ever forget. And the same goes for you. You knew, you knew what to say. You knew to tell me, I know it's shitty. Like you knew you didn't. I think that was one of the greatest things for me was that you didn't hold back. Like you didn't, you didn't try to pretty it up. Like it, it was what it was and it was awful and it sucked and it was painful. And you did not try to make it pretty. You didn't try to wrap it in this pretty bow with this box and make it and try to make it better that way. You just were like, it's shitty. It sucks. I know it does. I know it hurts. Yeah. Whew. But we're very, very, very lucky. Yeah. And thank you. Thank you for, for coming Absolutely. on Devin and, and talking to us. And I don't know, just being so beautifully articulate as you always have been. I mean, you were most talkative in our class for a reason. Listen, I mean, we've, I think, we've, we've replaced the payphone with a mobile phone, but yes. I mean, I feel like I would not have won that superlative. I think, was it Erica? Erica Wyatt that moved right before senior year. Cause if she hadn't, she would have won that superlative. I would not have won that. Yeah. She would have given me a run for my money. I think. Yeah. You did have a mouth on you though. I, I did. remember that. I still do. It's fine. <laughs> still do. You still do. So thank you so much, Devin. Absolutely. Uh, okay. Well, thank you. Um, again, thank you to Devin for, for coming on and talking to us and, uh, just having a just a really lovely conversation that was that was really really nice and I appreciate that you know I appreciate that you probably didn't have a whole lot to didn't feel like you had a whole lot to say but I felt like the things that you did say were really quite poignant and uh, you know you know how important you've been to me on this um, awful shit journey and uh, you know that's why that's why you're my best friend so so thanks 
on to um so i guess we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and uh we're gonna this is probably gonna, this is gonna be a little bit of a longer episode um but we're gonna go ahead and do a challenge jar and so we'll see what comes up okay so okay so you will like this simon this is this is a totally like i i couldn't have i couldn't have chose i couldn't have chosen i couldn't have chosen a better topic um uh so so today's challenge jar is <laughs> man-made constructs now this is honestly this is one of simon's most favorite topics of conversation on his morning commute um all the fucking time he's talking about man-made constructs so uh simon why don't you since this is your um i, I don't i don't know well, like where this obsession with this topic came from but why don't you go ahead and 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 and, and start us off <laughs> okay so i think since that went in the jar i've rephrased it as person-made constructs to be ah, more gender fluid that's good um which i quite like um but basically i i'm i'm reminded that everything we do and know is person made so whether that be the idea of what you know um law and order you know people going to prison again yeah. we've made that or like criminal loopholes of people getting off trials like these are all things that people have put in place but have become sex, like christian sex loopholes yeah 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 but you know it, it just baffles me on so many levels like you know of, of how the world has become is what it is but at the very heart of it all it's everything's person made and i hate when people say you can't do something but you can because we've just put something in place like take passport control for example now i get the, e the economical benefits of having countries and trade but we did that people made borders you look at look at the the horrible stuff going on in the world right now but you know it's all person made and it's all like it just baffles me that once upon a time it was just nothing but it's just human nature to like create shit that makes it harder like yeah we are making things better but it overcomplicates stuff and i think for me we, we talk about a lot of stuff on our commute and i think i'm just probed from time to time of like yeah that is fucking bullshit why the fuck oh it's a, it's a Ma uh, person made construct person made construct okay so in your day-to-day -day life um what person made construct frustrates you the most oh i don't know i, I don't have like a bee in my bonnet like all the time it's just gentle reminders almost like ad hoc ad hoc um you know rage at a situation whether you read a newspaper or whether it's something we're talking about. And when people are just like, no, nah, that's not the way we do things. That's not how it works. You know, you're like, this is fucking bullshit. This is fucking bullshit. It, it can work any way we want it to work. Oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. That, that's, that's not a thing we do. Like we can, we can do anything. Wow. So you're, so you're kind of um, uh, condoning a, a world without rules. I like it, Simon. I mean, this is very, this is very radical. I think I'm condoning a world. Um, I think a lot of the person-made constructs are very good. You know, I think like, you know education systems are good. You know, people are learning stuff, and you've got like healthcare, NHS, fantastic. And but I think there is just sometimes like we trip up over our own tails because of the shitstorm we have made as a society. And I think you know there are probably times when you hear about your know, criminals getting off fairly lightly some would argue whether the criminal system even works at all you know it's a very victorian idea of punishment like 
is it good? Is it bad? You know, you know, the idea that once upon a time someone had to die because they stole a loaf of bread, whereas nowadays it's different. You're in some countries, they still have, you have know, terrible. And these are all people made ideas of what what's right and wrong and how to roll with these things. And it's just it just pisses me off that like it just pisses me off. It just yeah, pisses me no, off. No, I know it does. I know it does because it comes up all the fucking time. <laughs> The yeah. borders thing pisses me off the most is that you can't go anywhere you want. You know, people have to, you know, flee countries and and are unable to be safe because of a piece of paper or they die having to go across in a boat because they don't have a piece of paper saying they're from somewhere. It's like, come on, let's be nice. Yeah. Jeez. Person made constructs, guys. I mean, that's the thing is that, Simon, you very, very rarely get political. And so mm. this is, uh, oof. yeah. Can you think of any examples? Because I feel like I'm just sort of clutching at straws. But can you think of any that come up and you've sort of banked and you're like, wow, that that is an unexpected conversation we've had in the morning? Like any topics or? Um, I mean, honestly, like sometimes we talk in the morning and and like I, I don't understand how the conversation has gone to A to Z. It's just like, what? How did we get here? Um. I mean, a lot of the times our, our, you know, our conversations are, you know, we are driven by sort of, we have, we have kind of like, we have core things that we talk about every day. Most of the time it's sleep. How did you sleep? Did you wake up in the middle of the night? Um, like we're both like very, we're both very hot sleepers. Um, and so, yeah, so we have a lot of conversations about sleep and bamboo and, and bamboo always some bamboo i need some bamboo pajamas help me find some bamboo pajamas anyway and so we go from that and then it generally is a it's uh we have our conversations are, are observational so it's kind of whatever simon is seeing on the road if it's a van if it's some graffiti if it's a road sign like that's sort of where our conversations go it's really just depending on what simon is seeing as he's driving and that that kind of that 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 kind of takes us on a, on a really weird weird and wonderful wild goose chase of a conversation every single day um mm. so yeah i mean it's never it's never it's never predictable um and and yeah i mean but we've had some really truly bizarre conversations um always. i think pro plus helps that as well i think yeah because yeah, yeah i can always tell when simon's had pro plus you say always i love tricking you you do, a couple of days yeah yes you, you did trick me a couple times last week because simon when he's on pro plus he he is a little bit sing-songy. Like everything is like, he's just like a little, there's like a, just like his voice goes up like half an octave and it is very sing-songy. And so, you know, he just likes to say, or, you know. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. Or, or if like, or if like he starts the day, he's like, morning. And it's morning. like, oh, fuck. Yeah. What now? Yeah. I think some mornings. <laughs> or, usually, not- or usually it's like, oh, what the fuck have I done now? <laughs> It's, I feel like it's something akin to a, uh, a bipolar TV presenter, like a children's one. <laughs> you know, there's some mornings you're like, hi, everybody. And there's other mornings I'm like, kill me now. Yeah. Kill me now. I mean, there's nobody yeah. there's nobody more suited to being a child's TV presenter than you. Like, you've got it. You've got the face. You've got the voice. Um, hi, kids. Yeah. This is Simon's story time. Take yeah. a seat. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'd, be, I'd love that job. It'd be so yeah, good. I, I think you'd be really, really good at it. Really hey, good. let's go inside. Come on in. Woohoo! 
Yeah, well, I could totally, I could, I could totally see you like wearing like a, like, 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 like Steve from Blue's Clues. Like, did that sort of translate over here? I think it's like Oliver's a Nickelode- Blue's Clues a couple of times. Nickel- yeah. Nickelodeon. It's like wearing like he wears like or like old Steve. Like when my sister was a kid, uh, he had like this green, like sort of like a green striped top. But I could totally see you like wearing like some sort of like really brightly colored shirt and uh, just like with your happy face and your happy voice hey. and yeah, yeah, you're a born, hey, everybody. You're, yeah, you're a born um, yeah child's TV presenter. So congratulations. Do you I could get that gig? Do you I reckon agent then. I reckon the video together. I reckon we could I reckon we could get you a job doing that. I'd, I honestly love that. I know you'd love that. I know you'd love hey. that. Hey! Then what the fuck would I do? What's up, little fella? Why you just leave me? You'd leave me in I the wouldn't. dust for I'd your TV stardom. Yeah, TV probably. Stardom. No, I'd, I'd FaceTime you. you. You could follow me around, you know, London and stuff. Can I be your PA? Yeah, oh, I would need one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, on that note, I'm off to be a TV presenter and get some sleep. How about you? Yeah, I'm also gonna get some sleep. I don't, I don't have anything to do tomorrow. Um, our next episode, I may be recording from the states. I don't know. I don't know where I'll be at the end of the week. Um, we shall see. So, so yeah. But uh, oh, but as, as always, we've forgotten something. Oh, Drink for ratings. fuck's sake! This damn review. Okay. Okay. What? 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 what, what Straight what, in there. Not a biggest fan of gin and tonic. I'm going to give it a four out of ten. I want to give, I you know, again, same. Like I think that I think that next time we do gin and tonic, like I think that we need to jazz it up some. We can't just have mm. gin and tonic. It's not. It's just not. No. It's it's not our jam. I am also no. going to give it a four. But that's not me. This is just to separate this. I'm not saying that the gin we have isn't the very good gin. You know, won awards. It's. Just, I just think as a concept. It's we not need, my bag. Yeah, we just we just need something with the we need something a little bit sweeter. Yeah. To compliment our okay, to compliment our sweet personalities. More Kool-Aid like for the American yeah. listeners, more squash like for the British listeners. Yes. Absolutely. So uh so yeah, so if you have any if you have any uh suggestions for alcohol, please email us. Our email address is hello at drunklogic.co.uk. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Our handle is at the drunk logic and uh, thank you for joining us and um, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.